Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. So cool. Well, there you have it. That was obviously uh, from our Vision Sunday last week, and uh, hopefully you were there. I know a lot of people weren't there last Sunday, and a lot of people joined online. We went online for the first time last week. I think we had over 3,000 people join, over 5,000 people join us. So again, if you're watching at home, it's so cool to have you. But um, uh, it was just, as much as last Sunday was our Vision Sunday, it was more, well, the Sunday's finished, but the Vision has it keeps going, right? And so uh, if you didn't get a chance to join us last week, that's why we have these on your seats again. Please take the booklet home with you. It kind of gives all the breakdown of the areas and our goals over the next 12 months as a church. And it's really cool if you're just visiting here today or maybe you're not normally a church person and you're wondering, what are you guys all about? Um, a whole lot in here kind of speaks about our why, our heart, our purpose. and gives a lot of our goals. Some of them are more short-term goals. Some of them are long-term goals. But uh, I know a lot of you um, gave last weekend and we want to still create that opportunity for you to do that over the next few weeks uh, where people get on, on board with it. And so you've got a little giving card there and slip. You can fill that out. Or if you want to talk to any of our team after the service, you can. Or you can give on the app as well. Um, but we just want to take a moment to celebrate you and to say thank you. So I know usually majority of those who partner do it over somewhere in the four weeks since Vision Sunday. So after one week, so last Sunday, this is a figure of how much came in on our first week. That is how much you guys gave in one week. So that is absolutely brilliant. And we just want to Honestly, I just want to say I'm proud of you. I am so proud of your generosity. I'm so proud to do this together with you. Thank you for partnering in our mission. And man, this is just the beginning. And I know so many of you are still yet to give and um, we want to be able to provide that opportunity for you. We'll keep you updated over the next few weeks as it all comes in. But uh, man, it is just so exciting. That's going to enable us to do so much in our future. So again, all the details are in this. Please take it home with you and see some of our team. But again, massive welcome. It's so good to have you here. And as uh, Chloe and Odette said earlier, if you're visiting here, my name's Jono. Um, my wife Chloe and I are the pastors here. And it's, it's so good to have you with us today. And we, as we kick off our brand new series, now in the middle of the year, I can't believe it's, it's June. It's that time of year again where Queensland always feels great and New South Wales people move up to Queensland. They confirms every year why they want to live here. But, um, but, you know, usually when we get to the, not just the middle of a year, but also the middle of an endeavor, maybe of a project, it's, it's interesting when you kind of draw distinctions between the, the vibe or the feeling of things in the middle compared to the beginning or the end. For example, often the beginning of a year, like the beginning of a project or beginning of any kind of endeavor, maybe even a relationship, there's a, there's a normal like momentum and thrill to it. It's all fresh. It's beginning. There's butterflies. And similarly, at the end of a project or an endeavor, there there's, can often be that like the vibe where it's, oh, we're almost there and we're about to graduate and we're, you know, we're getting to the end and the kids have almost left home. They've almost graduated from school and no more bills, whatever it might be, right? So you just get there. But, but often during the middle, when we are kind of bam, smack in the middle of an endeavor or as we find ourselves now in the middle of a year, it has its own dynamic. And that dynamic can often cause us to get stuck sometimes can cause us to get discouraged, definitely had the chance to lose motivation in life. And so we want to, we love the kind of this season of the year in our church calendar, I'd love to take a moment to talk about those different dynamics and how, how our faith can kind of interact and intersect with the tension of being in the middle of something. Or maybe for you, you found yourself that you had your plans at the start of this year. And you began the year with uh, all, all the, the greatest uh, hopes and aspirations. And now you find yourself six months in and things have just not gone according 
to plan. In fact, I, I'm, I don't know how, what it's like in your life. I don't know whether you're married to someone who is the planner or whether you're the planner in your life. I know both Chloe and I, we mean well in planning, but none of us know how to work a spreadsheet. Who here is married to a spreadsheeter? Someone who loves just doing spreadsheets. Okay, no one. That's why you live in the Sunshine Coast. Okay, very cool. So, um, but, so, but I know so for Chloe, her, one of her love languages, she loves thoughtfulness. So I'm always trying to think of ways of planning ahead and, and doing nice surprises, but not too much surprises because if there's too much of a surprise, it, she doesn't enjoy it. So I've always got to kind of like think ahead, but just enough thinking ahead. And so usually when our anniversaries come up, a wedding anniversary, it usually aligns with our annual leave. And so most years we're away in the middle of our holiday, there's our anniversary celebration. It was in our third year where we're celebrating anniversary and we're away at kind of a resort, a beach resort. And I was like, this year I'm going to do like the, the best surprise, the best celebration. And she's going to absolutely love it. So I found the best restaurant in town that was right on the beach. And they did like a, uh, you could, for, for you know, an exorbitant amount of money, you could plan to have a dinner on the beach with your own private waiter and it'd be all secluded, like it's your own restaurant to yourself. And I was like, that is a winner. So I was like, I'm doing that for our anniversary surprise. So, so we get there and we rock up at the, there's all these kind of alfresco dining at this particular beach. And then as I'm walking, I'm seeing this place that's not so hidden and not so remote and not so isolated. I'm like, please don't be it. Please don't be it. And the look of Chloe's face said it all. She gave me exactly the response I wanted. She went, except it wasn't because she was stoked. It was because she was terrified. And so so it exactly wasn't private. So here is a picture. I think we got a picture of this amazing moment for our third anniversary. This is us, okay, celebrating. As you can see where we are, that is a main thoroughfare. So behind us, you can see the restaurants there, and I'm talking there's hundreds of diners, and pretty much they're all just watching us having dinner. So I was like, it didn't didn't exactly go according to plan, but you know, the night went on, the food was great, you're private, you know, you can't complain too much, and luckily we had our back to everyone, so we were just facing the beach. But then, just when things couldn't get any worse, (laughs) they did. So as much as we were there facing the beach, people were obviously enjoying the beach, and as the sun set and the swimmers started leaving the waters on the beach there, they decided the best way to leave the beach and go back onto the shoreline was not through all the walk paths that where there were a plethora of. They decided to go straight under the hooper that we were having dinner under. And so 20 people with nothing but their dripping swimmers literally walked right. I'm not talking around us. I'm talking, you saw the shelter? They walked underneath it so their shoulders were brushing our chairs. Not exactly how I plan my third anniversary dinner to go, okay? So, so as much as it might happen, uh, you know, different areas in life that just don't go according to plan. The truth is it happens in, in just so many areas of our life. In fact, that might be exactly the reason that you find yourself here today um, because things haven't gone according to plan in your life. And maybe, maybe that's not necessarily even a negative thing. Often things don't go according to plan and that can actually work out for the best. They're like surprises. They go, you know, better than we have planned. But the truth is, for many areas of our life, particularly as we get to the middle seasons of the year, things kind of don't always work out how we want. Maybe if you had your financial goals and you had kind of your business goals, whatever it might be, and you, you've already run out of money. And so it's like, well, the budget didn't work this year. Or maybe for you, you've ended up, and this is a big one, maybe you found yourself in a career or an employment or, or some kind of job. And it's like, man, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I've got a job, but this certainly is what, wasn't what I envisioned when I, you know, when I finished uni or when I finished school or when I was growing up, when I mean, we saw before there's options, I mean, heck, you probably wanted to be Batman growing up, you know? So maybe things didn't grow totally 
the way you want. In fact, one of the weeks in this series, we'll be talking about that very dynamic and interviewing some people about the journey of kind of how do you live with your job? And maybe it's not your dream job and maybe it's not what you had planned and what you had an ambition for your life, but kind of how do you sit there and how do you find God in the middle of a season like that? And, and, and so that can happen that, but it maybe even for you, it's happened in, in relationships in your life. Maybe for you, you've, you've lost a relationship. Maybe for you, you've experienced divorce recently or you've broken up, the relationship has fallen apart. Maybe, maybe for you, one of your kids has not kind of turned out how you, how you planned. Maybe they're living a certain lifestyle or living by certain behaviors. You're like, I did not raise my child to be like that. And so it's breaking your heart and maybe breaking relationship. So things aren't going according to at least the plans you have. And that leads us often when that happens to ask some pretty big questions about life, about plans. And ultimately, it can ask big questions about God and where does God fit in, in all of these plans that we had for our life. And wherever you are in, in your journey, whether things are going according to your plan or not, the thing is we will, and we're going to look over this over the next few weeks, we will always discover that there are two things that we will learn when discussing life not going according to plan. One is this, you will learn how robust our faith or your faith really is. <laughs> And you will learn how robust faith really is. So when you go through something, it will quickly show you, where is your faith in God in this season? And maybe that's the reason it's brought you here today. You recognize, I don't really have one. Maybe you're even skeptical of whether you even believe in a God. And so it's brought you here and you go, well, the truth is, this has shown me I don't even believe in God. If I do believe in God, I don't believe in a God who cares for my plans. But the other thing you'll learn, and this is what we're hoping to encourage you towards in this series, that you will learn just how much faith and Jesus can make such a radical difference when it comes to navigating the seasons of our life where things don't go according to our plan. And while they might not go according to your plan, we want to explore well, what does God's plan look like? And in fact, does God have a plan? And it was this very question that kind of led me ultimately to faith in Jesus as a, as a young guy growing up in a Christian household, in a, in a church. This was probably the, the question or the thing that really cemented my trust in Jesus with this whole question about, is there a plan for my life? And, and as much as, you know, we kind of grow up and we get busy making our plans and fulfilling our plans, there's probably a longing inside of all our lives. Is, is my life still going according to plan? And, or ultimately, is it going according to God's plan? And uh, the young guy, I was pointed towards a passage in the Old Testament written by King Solomon. King Solomon was the third king of Israel, lived around a thousand years before Jesus. And he wrote a whole lot in a book called Proverbs, which means book of wisdom or book of writings. And in Proverbs, check, this is, I love this. This kind of really helped me out when I was younger. Proverbs 16, verse nine. King Solomon wrote, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And we do this, don't we? we? We plan our course. We make plans for our life. We plan our direction. We plan our achievements and our goals and where we want to end up. So, so Solomon was writing something that you and I already understand well. We, we plan our course. And then he gave us an insight into what God is like. And this is where we kind of want to sit today because this is, this is so paramount to understanding the nature and the heart of your heavenly Father when it comes to dealing when life doesn't go according to plan. As much as we plan our course, the Lord, your heavenly Father, He's interested in establishing our steps. Meaning He isn't just enamored and caught up with how things end up. And we're like that, right? We care about how things end up. As much as God cares for that, He also cares about every step that we take along the way. As much as we love the idea of results and achievement, God is as interested in our development and our progress as much as He's interested in our achievements and our outcomes. 
And what I want to do today is I want to kind of maybe broaden your approach to understanding how God works in your life. Because often we can, we can often associate the, the, the God's goodness and His faithfulness one-dimensionally. Meaning we, only see, we can only believe or trust God that He's faithful for us and he's, and he's with us and He loves us. If things go according to my plan and I get my outcome and I get the achievement that I'm after. But what Solomon's trying to encourage, and I think you'll find this to be true in your life, and we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about this, is as much as God does care for outcomes and God does care for achievement, He also cares just as much about how you and I are progressing towards them. We plan our course, but the Lord establishes our steps. And Jesus cares so much about the steps that you and I are making every day in our life and how we are progressing. And the tragedy is, and this is where we can often find ourselves, maybe you find yourself like this today, is we can sometimes relegate God to emergencies. And we make our plans and we have our plans. And when things don't go according to plan, then we do something radical. We turn upwards or downwards or sideways or wherever you look and you close your eyes and bow your heads and you go, God, help me. And sometimes we, what, and, and I'm not criticizing that. And maybe that's in fact the very reason you even found yourself in church. Maybe for you for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time. And, and you're going, God, would you help me here? But the tragedy would be that we only ever relegate God to the emergencies of our life. And if you see some, God as someone who is faithful enough and strong enough and cares enough about when you're going through something that wasn't according to your plans, I want to invite you to not relegate God simply to emergencies, to when things that go according to plan. I want you to practice inviting Him into your planning and to see your life lining up that every step of your life your heavenly Father is interested in. And so while you might not be where you're desiring to be or where you're hoping to be, it doesn't mean that your heavenly Father doesn't care about the step that you're currently walking right now in your life. And along that journey, when we navigate getting there and getting to where we want to be, sometimes the most richest parts of our maturity and the richest parts of our spiritual journey and our growth is found in our journey getting to where we ultimately want to be. And so... So I want to encourage you today, let's not relegate God to simply the results. I want you to invite God into every step that you're taking in life. And the truth is we see this pattern so often with Jesus. In fact, every time we would see in Scripture, and we're going to look at one particular example of this today, where someone would come to Jesus with an emergency. There was something that the doctors couldn't help with, family couldn't help with, people couldn't help themselves in. And they had a hunch that Jesus could do something miraculous for them. And they would be like, Jesus, would you help me? Rarely do we see Jesus do any miracle or any healing or any intervention void of a principle or a pattern or a lesson to learn. Rarely was the miracle the isolated win. Usually at the package deal, Jesus would perform a miracle. And the secret's in the word perform. Jesus would do something, but he would bring with it an accompanied message that would highlight a truth, would highlight a principle, ultimately highlight a promise that he was getting, trying to get across to people. So people wouldn't park at the performance that Jesus was doing at the miracle, but Jesus would leverage the miracle in order to transmit some kind of spiritual and practical truth and promise that we're to live our lives by. Because Jesus' ultimate goal was not to do miracles. Jesus' ultimate goal was to save people, to change people's lives. And so maybe in your life, maybe why you're going through a particular season of tension, and maybe you're waiting for God to turn up in your life when things turn out this way. Maybe He's already with you. Maybe he's helping to establish, and that word establish is better translated. Maybe he's already busy forming your steps and forming your life. So, so stop waiting f- 
for God to perform for you because he might already be forming something in you. Now, Matthew records an amazing situation. This, this thing plays out in a profound way with someone who had no business as far as kind of up until this point in Jesus' ministry, had no business having anything to do with Jesus. And she came with an emergency. She came with something in life where she, the, the authorities couldn't help her. Um, the, her pagan re- religion couldn't help her. Uh, the government couldn't help her. And so she turned to what she believed. She had a hunch that there was something about Jesus that could offer her help that nothing else in the world could help her with. And she wasn't a Jew. She wasn't from, she wasn't a part of the people of the promise at this point. And obviously this was prior to the death of Jesus. And Matthew records this amazing exchange that takes place. So we read this, Matthew chapter 15. So Jesus went out from there and departed to a region of Tyre and Sidon. So this was kind of to the north of Israel. So to the whole lot of people who weren't from a Jewish background and weren't kind of Israelite by birth. And so there's just a lot of people mixed with cultures. And uh, behold, a woman of Canaan. Now it's interesting that Matthew uses the word Canaan here. So before the, the, this, was, this was obviously taking place in ancient Israel, before it was called Israel, the land was known as Canaan. And the local inhabitants as Canaanites. And this is pretty much the only place in all of the New Testament this word is used. It was like an obsolete, hadn't been used for thousands of years. And so Matthew is obviously referring to this woman through this title to, to hammer home a point. And we're going to get to the point later on. He said, the woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to Jesus. Keep in mind, she wasn't a Jew. She didn't follow rabbis. She, from what we can tell here, she wasn't a worshiper of the Jewish God. But she obviously had a hunch of what they're about. So she cried out to Jesus saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. So that's like a a Jewish kind of title for Messiah. So she knew enough about the local religion to have a hunch. And she said this, My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he, but Jesus answered her, not a word. My question to you this morning is, what do you do when God seems silent? When things aren't going according to plan in your life. And so you turn to God. As this woman did and say, Lord, help me, but there's nothing. And it seems like all of heaven is shut up. There's not a whisper. And you've got nothing to go with. What do you do? And I think we can learn something today. And, and I want you to stay with me right to the end of this message because the encounter this woman has with Jesus right now is, is a difficult, tricky, and easily misunderstood conversation. But what we can learn from this woman, I think, is something that we are all in danger of losing, and maybe you're in danger of losing this right now in your life, and I reckon we can learn something here that is going to help us so much. So Jesus didn't answer her a word, absolutely silent. And the very next verse this is what it says. His disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away because she cries out after us. Meaning this, because Jesus didn't give her an answer, she looked around to Jesus' followers. Go, you guys, help me. She did something I think we can all be in danger of losing. She persisted. She didn't give up. Just because there was silence, just because she didn't get what she was after in the moment and go home and sulk and go home and and lose hope, she persisted. She didn't quit. She didn't give up. And here's the thing, why this is, I think, so important for you and I to learn this, okay? If, if, If King Solomon was on... It was onto something that you and I need to learn from that God just isn't interested in the ending, but He's interested in all of our steps. It's, here's the thing, is we can often miss out. You can often miss out on what God wants to do in you because you're only looking for what God can do for you. 
Come on, don't we do that, right? We're so, we're so adamant. God, can you, do, can you do this for me? This is my plan for my life. This is what I want to achieve for my life. This is my goal. And so we turn to God, God, can you do this for me? Now, now I, God, I'm all for that. And I 100% do that. And I hope you do that too. And we have every reason to believe that God is about doing things for us. He's, he's a heavenly father who loves us. In fact, Jesus gave his life to prove that God is interested in doing things for us. Okay, But that isn't the end of the picture. And that isn't the only dimension in which God shows that he's for us. Often, in, particularly in the periods where it's silent and where we have to wait and where it seems like there's no word, it's in those moments that God is still very active. In fact, it's sometimes in the most silent moments of our life that God is interested in doing something in us. And maybe right now you feel like God is silent for you. Maybe you feel like there is no affirmation. There is no yes. There's just no answer. It doesn't mean God has been inactive in your life. Now, now I'm not God, but if we can learn anything from what Solomon is suggesting, if we're learning anything from this interaction we're about to see with Jesus, my hunch and suspicion is that God is always up to doing something when it comes to His plans for our life. And in fact, again, I can only speak from the perspective as a person and as a, you know, as a father. And I saw this recently with my own daughter. Uh, a couple of months ago, she, I went with her to her swimming lessons. She's only like two. So she's not exactly the greatest swimmer on the planet. She's still learning to you know, move her extremities and breathe, let alone you know, swim 50, you know, 50 meters in a pool. But she's with a teacher. And I'm sitting there on the side of the pool watching. And she hadn't made too much progression over the past few weeks. She'd been more splashing around, enjoying herself without kind of progressing. And so this week, the teacher wanted to kind of engage a little bit and, and really push Willa. And so as my daughter uh, kind of did, she jumped in and she's used to kind of swimming a certain distance to get to the instructor. The instructor intentionally kept back. And so Willa didn't know that. So Willa's keep paddling and she starts to panic because there's silence. It's like, where is the instructor? Where's the teacher? And obviously, it only went for like an extra two seconds and found the teacher. Now, at first, Willow was so freaked out by that. She's like, where were you? Where were you? At least that's what her face said to me when she was looking at me. And I tell you, as a father, my clothes were half off, my shoes were off, and I was half in that pool ready to rescue her. <laughs> but here's the thing. The teacher knew something, that Willow had incredible potential inside of her. And unless she gave her some space and some room to dig a little deeper, she would always be at the mercy of needing to be rescued. She's like, this, this, she needs to learn inside of her is great potential. And so the teacher was silent a little bit. And I think it's the same. I have a hunch and I think you have a hunch as well. It's the same with us and the Heavenly Father that, that He's recognizing there is great potential. But often there needs to be a little space of silence where we can maybe swim a little more and realize, hang on, hang on. Maybe we don't have to straight away give up. Maybe we can persist. And here's the thing. <laughs> we'll forever need rescuing when we avoid our opportunities for development. And life always, this is so important to understand, always presents us with opportunities to deepen our maturity and to develop our resilience and to develop and to strengthen our faith in Jesus Christ. But when we don't look, don't jump into those moments, we will always be relegating God to rescuing us. And as much as God is a rescuer, He's also someone that cares about your maturity and your growth and your development. So maybe if heaven seems silent for you right now, maybe that's exactly where the great rabbi wants you to be. So it goes on. So just if being silent wasn't enough, it continues. Next verse. Next, next slide. So his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries out after us, right? So she's been persistent. But he answered and said, this is so fascinating. He says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, just so aware of what's happening here, 
this is obviously prior to Jesus' death and resurrection. And so at this moment, Jesus came to fulfill the covenant that God had made with his people, with the Jewish people. And obviously after Jesus' death and resurrection, then this covenant got opened up to all of humanity. Everyone who wanted in could get in. So it was the covenant between God and everyone and everyone who wanted him. Prior to this, Jesus' mission was he had to fulfill the promise and the covenant to the Jewish people. This woman was not Jewish. This woman was from Canaan, okay? And so she's crying out after Jesus, not a word, cries out after the disciples. And the disciples are like, can you send her away? She is annoying us. And he says, I would not send except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In a word, what did Jesus say to her? No. It was a no. And so if being ignored wasn't bad enough. You get an outright not going to happen. And in that tension right there in our life, particularly when it comes to our trust and God's faithfulness and who He is, getting a no is sometimes the most difficult answer to swallow in life. But here's what I want to do for a moment. I want to challenge you again on, on your picture of how God relates and works in our lives. Again, if we look at what Solomon said, he goes, the Lord is interested in establishing or forming our steps. He's interested in our progress. And, and here's the thing. Sometimes we receive a no as rejection, as abandonment, and so God isn't for us. But sometimes a no is exactly the thing that you and I need when it comes to our development and our maturity and our growth in our life. Again, again, I'm not God, but I am a dad. And if you're a parent here, heck, if, even if you're a kid here, you'll understand how this works. There are many things that my kid comes and asks me for and that she set her heart on and she set her desires on. And come on, parents, you know what you do when they ask certain things. You obviously say, no, you cannot have that. Now, our kid, and again, I don't have a teenager yet, right? So I, I'm sure parents who are teenagers, you probably understand this better. They react, they go, you've said no. You're no longer my parent. You don't love me. <laughs> You're not for me. Why are you trying to ruin my life? Why do you hate me so much? No one's for me. Why is everyone so selfish? No one ever thinks about me, right? However it might be. <laughs> no one got that joke. Okay, so... So, so when my daughter asks me for certain things, I don't say no because I don't like her. I don't say no because I want to make her unhappy. In fact, quite the opposite. I want to be the yes parent. Every time she asks me something, I'm going to say no to you. I'm trying to go ask your mum. So like the mum's the no one, right? I want to be the good guy. Why do I tell my daughter no at times? Because I know the thing she's asking for actually might not be the best thing for her. In fact, it might be worse than that. I know she's not ready for the thing she's asking for. And if, she, if I say yes to that, it might be premature and it might harm her. It might hurt her life. It might damage the very thing she's asking to use. In fact, it might not only damage the thing she's asking to use and it might not only damage her, it might hurt other people around her because I recognize she is not yet mature enough to handle and be faithful with the thing that she is asking for. And I have a hunch, and maybe you do too, when it comes to our heavenly Father, and we ask for certain things, and we get a no. Sometimes a no is because I want you to mature a little bit, because there's some growth inside of you. You can't handle the very thing that you're asking for yet. And so here's, maybe you've come from a church traditional background or, or a particular religious belief that is like, that equates great faith in God or equates authentic faith with getting the thing that you are asking for. And if you don't get the thing that you're asking for, then something is wrong with you or something is wrong with God or you're not praying hard enough. Here's the thing. I don't know the reason why we get no's sometimes and we don't get the answers the way we want it. I do have a hunch just because it's our plan and not always God's plan. But I want to challenge you and ask you this question. Is your theology, is your understanding of God big enough to handle a no? 
Because if your theology only takes into consideration a God who cares as seen through his saying of yes every time I ask him something, then I would argue that your worldview of your heavenly father is much too small. Can your theology handle and know? And in fact, I would go so far to say how you and I handle knows in life, not all the time, but often are indicative of our spiritual maturity. Can you handle, or how do you handle, probably the better question, when no happens. Now, in saying that, the truth is sometimes the no we get is utter heartbreaking. Maybe, maybe there's been something you prayed for and asked for and believed for, and you didn't get it, and it turned out to be a no, and it, it was, you experienced incredible loss. And many of you might be sitting in that, or you've experienced things like that in your life, and go, God, I don't understand why you didn't say yes. I don't understand why it didn't turn out the way you want and I want. Now, I don't pretend for a moment to know all the answers. Most, I should say, most, I don't pretend to know most of the answers at all. But here's the thing. We do know from the life of Jesus is that God has walked in your footsteps. That God knows what it is to experience loss and grief and pain and heartache, betrayal, death. God cares. So when we don't know the answer to why, the answer can't be, well, he doesn't care. Because God, through Jesus Christ, has shown that he cares for you abundantly. And I don't know why you got your no. But I want to encourage you this morning. Don't draw the conclusion that no meant God has turned his back on you, that God has ignored you, that God has given up on you, and that your story is over. So I want to encourage you, broaden your understanding of God, broaden your theology to be able to handle a no. And again, this, what we're about to see, how this woman handles a no, I am just so challenged by. So in the very next verse, in verse 25, this is what happens. After pretty much Jesus was silent, the disciples said, go away. Then Jesus told her no. So then she came and worshipped him. This is amazing. Saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, and this might blow every image you've ever had of Jesus before. He answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread, and throw it to the little dogs. Now, without trying to do a full kind of exegesis of description, all the cultural and, and religious and theological background of this, it is what it is. <laughs> Jesus is saying, listen, I've come here to meet the needs of the Jewish people first. Your time hasn't come yet. The time of the Gentiles, the Canaanites hasn't happened yet. And he finds the most interesting illustration. He refers to dogs eating, you know, eating the children's bread. Massive, right? It's like, well, what's Jesus trying to say here? But here's my question for us is what do you choose? What do you choose to do? when you could feel offended or insulted or rejected. What do you choose? Because no one is exempt from moments and experiences and opportunities to be offended. And we can read into situations and we can read into moments and we can read into events that take place and we can choose to take it as rejection, to take it as offense. So my question is, what do you choose when you could feel offended or insulted or rejected? Now, as much as we challenge with that and we have to decide what to do, what this woman chooses to do is remarkable. I pray that you and I can learn something from her example. This is how she responds to what Jesus said. In the very next verse, she said, Yes, Lord, <laughs> yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. What a reply. Like, talk about not quitting and being persistent and having something that you desire bigger than your capacity to be offended, right? Jesus answered, this is an amazing reply. Jesus answered and said to her, Oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Okay. Amazing. Okay, so, so here's the thing. She got the outcome that she was hoping for, right? She got the end result. Her daughter 
was healed. It's an amazing moment, right? As we all do, we have the things we request and ask of God. And you go. But look at the process that Jesus took us through to get there. There was ignoring, then saying no, and then preventing something that she could easily read into and be offended by. But then Jesus saw there was something about her that's different and He acknowledged and celebrated her for it. He says, you have great faith. And it's so funny that in these seasons of our life, when you, there's a no, there's silence, and when there could be a potential to be offended or insulted or rejected, this is where faith in Jesus comes alive. And this is where you will learn how robust faith can truly be for your life. And here's the thing, we too easily can park at events in our life that cause us to feel rejected or maybe park at events in our life where we've been offended or park in a season of our life where things didn't go according to our plan. And so you've parked it there and you've had the same attitude for years. Maybe you've had the same uh, you know, kind of idea about how God operates for years and years and years. And you've had your same worldview for years because something happened that didn't go according to your plan. But then this woman, I'm telling you, we can learn something about what it means to trust Jesus in this moment. Jesus celebrated her for her great faith. And here's the thing that I find is so remarkable. She had a desire for something that was greater than her capacity to be offended or rejected. Did you catch that? She had a desire for something that was greater than her capacity to be offended or rejected. It was bigger. It was greater. Jesus said, you have great faith. So I want to ask you in your life, is the plans that you have for your life, are the things that you're chasing down in life, the things that you feel are the plan for your life, are they bigger? Are they broader? Are they, are they larger than your capacity to feel offended or to feel rejected? Are you someone that every time things don't go according to plan, you get angry, you get hot-headed, you blow up, you blame the world, you blame God? Or is the thing you're chasing in life so big and so bold that it requires you to trust Jesus with your life? And here's the thing I want to encourage you, and I think what, what Jesus would encourage you in, is there is greatness in every one of our lives. There is greatness in your life. And maybe you've experienced disappointment and letdown and where things haven't gone according to plan. And you've let that be the defining event of your life. And you've let that be the defining factor of your life. I want to encourage you again to grab your disappointments and to grab your, um, where you felt rejected or offended. And I want you to trust Jesus enough to go, Jesus, they are yours now. I don't know why life hasn't gone according to my plan. I don't know why there's been no's. I don't know why I've been rejected. I don't know why there's been silence. But like that woman, I now choose to trust you. Help me with my unbelief. I might not feel like I belong, but if that woman who was an outsider, you invited her in, I want to trust you like that. And maybe you have a hunch as I've got a hunch that when things aren't going according to your plans or to my plans, there's always a chance that things could be going according to God's plan for your life. (laughs) When things aren't going according to your plans, there's always a chance that things could be going according to God's plan for your life. Maybe why you found yourself in church today, maybe the reason you've stumbled across this online and watching right now is you just, there's been something that's been tugging at your life going, this isn't what I planned. And I sense there's something bigger. I sense there's someone bigger that has gone, hey, hey, there is more for your life. And my prayer and hope for you, not just today, but over this series and over your life is that you would know your heavenly Father has great plans for your life. And we might not get there how we expected. or might not get there how we planned. So while we wait and wait, why don't you invite Him into every step of your planning? Heavenly Father, I am so grateful today for 
your love and grace towards us, that you're interested in our planning, that you're interested in our steps. Wherever we are in our life right now and what people are walking through, I thank you that you're present. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to encourage people in their journey. Pray that those who have been discouraged or heartbroken or disappointed, that they'd be encouraged this morning, that they'd be comforted by you, Holy Spirit. And those who have maybe never, never been aware that you are the God who's present, not distant when things that go according to plan, that we would know that today beyond a shadow of a doubt. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.